Welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is Dr. Isaac Matson. Isaac is a soil scientist and native of the Northwest. He currently serves as the extension agronomist for the Washington Oil Seeds Cropping Systems Project at WSU. He has been involved in research on soil health, plant root soil interactions, soil fertility, and alternative crops. His current research focuses on stand establishment and winter survival in canola, as well as alternative cropping practices such as legume oil seed intercropping and integrated livestock in dual-purpose cropping systems. Hello, Isaac. Hello, Drew. So this is a, kind of a new position for you, um, agronomist of the Washington Oil Seed Cropping Systems Project. What excites you about this new position, and uh, what what really gets you motivated or get gets you to show up in the office each morning now that you're in this new position? Yes, uh, thank you, Drew. I um I think what really excites me about this position is probably the opportunity to work with farmers. I have a little bit of experience with that. You know, I, I've been involved in the oil seeds project actually for about seven years now as a PhD student and then as a postdoc. And so I've really enjoyed getting to know that group of farmers that were some of the early innovators and adopters of oil seeds as well as people just trying it out. And I found that to be a great community to learn from and to work with. And so I'd say working with the farmers on innovative solutions to their problems is probably the most exciting area for me. Also, just um, getting to work with different crops, I think. I'm really looking at not just canola as oil seed, but flax, sunflower, safflower, some of these other crops that maybe a little less is known about. So I think there's exciting research to be done in those areas. And then I, I really am hoping to continue some of my root work, which was my focus during my PhD. Okay, so this position, formerly Karen Sowers was in it. Actually, not really. So she was kind of in a different position. You, What are some of your newer responsibilities that you're going to be taking uh, your position in? Yeah, so Karen Sowers was 100% extension. I am actually teaching research and extension. Okay, you're doing all three. Yes. All right. So I'm, I'm, I, I say I'm the full land-grant mission with, <laughs> with this position, and uh, – I see those ranking out as extension as my primary responsibility, then research, and then teaching. And I'll be teaching a class that I've actually taught for the last three years, so I have a, I have a pretty good handle on that. But okay, yeah. so that's good. You're melding all those different yeah. things together. So exactly, I actually find that there's a huge benefit to doing all three. You know, I take what I learn from growers or I learn from research. I take that right into the classroom. Sometimes I use that to design exam questions. And then I always learn things from the students. They have, you know, new and different perspectives. So I try and bring that back into my research and into my extension efforts. Excellent. So what are some of the research areas you think you'll be focusing on uh, going forward that will benefit oilseed uh, growers? Yeah, so I, I've traveled around a little bit this year. Well, I traveled to one place, but um, it was to Canada. And in Canada, I met with a lot of Australians. And so 
if you know anything Interesting. about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, went to, you went north to talk to people from the south. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, Canada and Australia are tr- probably two of the major oil seed producing regions um, besides the U.S. and the world. Well, as far as if you discount soy, so if you look at canola and it was really interesting talking to them because we all face the same challenges is what I found. You know, they have very, very different systems than ours. But in dryland systems, stand establishment is always uh, the number one concern. Mm-hmm. And that, I would say, is the number one concern in the Northwest. You know, I've been doing some stand counts, and sometimes you're only getting up about 40% of the seeds you're actually putting in. So that's, especially with expensive seed prices, that's not very good if if you're only getting 40% up. So I would like to see that number increase. So, I'd, you know, I would like, ideally, every seed we put in the ground emerges. That would be a, a perfect scenario. But... Um, so I'd see that as a major area of focus. And I'm working with a variety of practices on that. So everything from fertility, just basic fertility practices, to also thinking about how we might um, do some more innovative things. Like I know some growers have been trying in furrow watering. So rather than trying that in the field a whole bunch of times and maybe it working, maybe it not, I've actually been running some in in the lab incubations to see how much growth you can get out of you know, a certain amount of gallons break or, and okay. so far it's not looking super helpful, but Hey, we're working on it. <laughs> you need a lot of water to germinate seeds is the bottom, <laughs> bottom line. Especially if your soil's already dry when you yeah. start with. Yeah. yeah. And that's another variable we're actually shifting is what is the starting moisture of the soil. So, you yeah. know, if you're, if you're at permanent wilting point, you might as well give up. But if you're like just edge and below field capacity or something like that, or well, further below field capacity, just above permanent wilting point, maybe that's where we're seeing, okay, there's a little bit of benefit we can actually get from adding some moisture. I know when I go around and talk, give my integrated weed management talk around, one of the points I always make is how important a a good stand of a competitive crop is for weed control. Even herbicides work much better when there's good competition. So I think that's a really important uh, yeah. It was a frustration with me when I early in my work in Nebraska when I was trying to do weed control and canola. As I, if I got a good stand, I could get good weed control, and if I couldn't get a good stand, it didn't matter what herbicide I used, I had weed problems. Yeah. So. And I think everybody that's grown it knows that if if you get it up of the gra- out of the ground, you get it through winter, it's really aggressive and a really competitive plant. Mm-hmm. But I was, it's just a wimp when it's a kid. It's that little little puny kid that goes on to college and plays football or something like that. But but having those gaps in the stand really makes a big difference. Yes. So if you could really get that um, stand yeah. Establish, yeah. establishment figured yeah. out, I think you'd exactly. really help the weed control yeah. issue as well. Yeah. And I think singulation, seed singulation is going to be something that comes up. I know that's expensive and different and a little bit scary sometimes, but I really think um, work that Ian Burke has done points us that way with where he's used to plant or to plant canola plants. Okay. So So I I know I enjoy every once in a while popping into the hallway and having a a talk with you about some new innovative uh, cropping system you're thinking about. What are are some of the innovative cropping system practices that you think – Yep. might be useful here in Washington State. Yeah, so getting back to my trip to Canada actually this summer, that the goal of it was to go look at intercropping studies. And this is where you plant more than one crop at a time and you harvest the seed all together. So what I was looking at in Canada was uh, pea, canola, lentil intercrop. 
um, that was looking very good up there. And that's very competitive against weeds okay. because you're competing at multi-levels. Right. It does reduce your herbicide options. And then the other intercrops I was looking at were flax and garbs. Um, I see that as a better, not so good of a fit here. They have a, a lot of um, pathogen issues because of their summer humidity. Okay. And so it breaks the canopy up and it prevents the spread of the pathogens in the garb canopy. Okay. So that's that's an area of interest. Um, I'm really focusing on the winter pea, winter canola intercrop. Okay. And seeing how much nitrogen inputs we could reduce for our canola. You know, if we could get a decent canola yield and pretty much have to add no fertilizer or very little nitrogen to that system, that would be ideal. I know peas right now, the value is kind of low. So this might be a longer term thing we're looking at. <laughs> but So will peas, the existing pea crop, provide nitrogen to the cur another crop growing with it? I always thought yeah. of it as the follow crop got the benefit, yeah. but it will actually help yeah. the inner crop as well. There is some evidence that in, in crop you will see some benefits. I don't think it's as much as you would see in a following crop. Okay. So that would be the other component of this is even if you still have to fertilize your canola, you might be reducing the amount of nitrogen you have to add to following wheat. Okay. So you get the benefits of nitrogen fixation without having to take such a hit on the price with the peas okay. would be part of the idea. I see the winter canola and the winter uh, peas as being two of the more um, promising alternative crops for our winter yes. wheat growers out in the dry area particularly. Yeah, so I, I'm really focusing out on the grain fallow or, or transition zone um, for my initial studies. And the nice thing about those is you can actually use some grassy herbicides in that system. Okay. And so a lot of intercropping research has been done in organic systems where they're doing a grass and a legume. Right. And for us, that doesn't really work in a lot of our conventional systems, but this is a way we can still use herbicides, hopefully increase our competition and reduce our fertilizer. Okay. So you, you mentioned you're doing all three, you're doing extension research teaching. Uh, from the extension side, what, what do you, how do you see your extension program efforts look, or what, what do you see them looking like going into the yeah. future? Yeah. So in, in the future, really what I hope, hope to emphasize, especially in this first year is just availability. I've already had a lot of um, growers and fieldmen and different people in industry reach out to me and say, hey, we saw you got this job. And what, what's your future looking like as far as programs that you might be implementing? So I really want to emphasize, give me a call, give me a text, give me an email. I love to hear from people that are actually out there. You know, if you see something interesting occurring in your field, just shoot me an email. You can take a picture and shoot me an email or... I'll try and run out there if if time allows. So I'm okay. really with, emphasizing availability. With that in mind, what, what is your email if somebody yeah. wants to shoot you an email? So I, I hope we can put a link somewhere. Well, we'll add it to the show notes. Okay, great. Yeah. So it's Isaac underscore Madsen. And Madsen is spelled M-A-D-S-E-N at WSU dot E-D-U. All right. So. Yeah. Excellent, and uh, you you will part of your extension program will be a web presence. What's yes. the what's the URL for your uh, yeah. oil seed cropping systems website? Yep. So currently, our URL is um, css.wsu.edu/oilseeds. Okay. Um, there might it might be changing in the future. We'll we'll probably keep that so it would link to the right, one. and then you just redirect it. Yeah. But, okay. That's and then so that's kind of online presence and personal communication, but we're also going to be continuing the winter workshops. I see that as one of the major 
um, successes of the walks project in the past was that we were able to have these winter workshops and we kept recruiting new people who hadn't grown canola before, which is always to me a good sign when we're, we're drawing new people into the system, you know, and so people were learning about canola and I think that was really exciting. So that'll be one of my main focuses. I'll be talking at the Wheat Academy. Um, yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> here in December. And then next year, I'm hoping to have several field days. So Okay. Yeah. Well, excited to have you on board and see where you take uh, the Washington Oil Seed Cropping Systems Program. Yep. Um, and to our audience, reach out and uh, visit with Isaac if you have some ideas. Thank you yep, very yep. much for your time, Isaac. Thank you. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon, that's L-Y-O-N, at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time.